one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Well, hello. By the way, I feel like I'm picking up Alf's cold. So if I sound really muffly, <laughs> that is why. And I'm so sorry because I feel like there's nothing more annoying than listening to a podcast where someone is like snuffly. So I'm hoping <laughs> that it's not going to get too bad and it's just going to go because I don't really want to get ill at this point in the pregnancy. But we are here. I've also just had the spiciest food ever. I was just saying I'm obsessed with these Itsu they're in the frozen section of most supermarkets and um, they're like dumplings and bao buns and I just absolutely covered them in hot sauce and now I'm having Braxton Hicks so I really hope I haven't brought <laughs> really hope I haven't brought labour on that because that would be a very interesting podcast but um, I'm gonna get straight into this week's guest as I'm very very excited to talk with her she uses her platform to discuss parenting tri- tips her style she's really honest about motherhood um, which I love. She has three children, which are three boys, um, eight, six, and three. And she is currently five months pregnant with her fourth baby. Please welcome Victoria. Bye. Hello. <laughs> I was also going to say, because it's in my little intro, that you are married to EastEnders James Bye. I am. But I don't like introducing people by what their partner's... <laughs> do and are yes yeah no I know do you find that a lot yes usually I'm just the guy off EastEnders wife um and I'm like no actually I have a name <laughs> yeah I feel like especially with like the the media they tend to love I was somebody's rumored flame for a while and I was oh, like really? for goodness sake how can I be someone's rumored flame if it's rumored you don't even know if it's true or not like why can't I why can't I just be Ashley James yeah just tell, <laughs> just say who I am <laughs> um firstly how are you how is yeah. how is pregnancy with three other children <sighs> Yeah, it's full on as well, you know, when you've got another little one running around. Um, you just don't get any downtime. Um, you know, when I'm not writing, I'm doing the school run and then cooking dinner and all the different clubs and they just have such an active social life. It's ridiculous. They do far like I have no activities or hobbies. All the hobbies are them. It's swimming and golf and football. And so, yeah, it's exhausting. <laughs> what sort of age do um, kids get to when all of that sort of hobby side of things start? 
Well, to be fair, my youngest, he's nearly four. He is just getting into it now. Whereas with my firstborn, um, we still, I started a bit earlier. So he was doing baby swimming and baby yoga because I had the time to do it. Whereas the last one, he just gets dragged along to all their <laughs> activities. <laughs> As you'll find when you have your second one, she'll just go with you. <laughs> do you know what? I, I am excited. I found um, my friend came around with her baby a few weeks ago and her baby literally just like, sat in a bouncer and watched <laughs> Alf and I was yeah. like oh my goodness like is it a bit easier because you're not having to do all the entertaining do you know what I found it I people think I'm making this up but I actually found having two much easier than one and then I found having three easier than two because they're entertainment for each other they're like a little gang and I'm hoping with this fourth one they'll just take the baby into the pack and <laughs> just <laughs> just raise it for me <laughs> Oh, it's Which so nice. <laughs> My partner, Tommy, is um, he's got, well, three siblings. So they're, they're a family oh, of four kids. Yeah. And it is really nice that they, like, it's so nice to have a yeah, big family. I love that. I always just had this vision of, like, Christmas Day and we'd all be around the table and they'd all come bowling in with their wives and girlfriends and kids and there'd just be loads of us. And I just love that thought. I've just got to get through the, the child-rearing years first. So did you always know that you wanted to be a mum? you know, rewind yeah. all the way back to Victoria before you were Victoria the mum. Yeah, it's weird. My mum always says that I, she was shocked when I told her I was pregnant. She thought I'd never want children. She said growing up, I was never like wanting to push prams or have baby dolls. And I think it's just something comes over you when you're at, like get to a certain age. And me and James had just got married and we were coming up to our one year anniversary and we went for dinner and we were kind of a bit embarrassed to talk about it. We, we, we were like, so, you know, do you think we should start thinking about a baby? And we were both giggling. And I thought, God, if we can't even have this conversation, how are we ready to be parents? But somehow by the end of the dinner, we'd agreed that we'd start, you know, not trying, but not not trying. Yeah. <laughs> and then the next thing you knew, we were pregnant. And, um, and yeah, ever since then, I just... I just loved it and I just wanted a, a huge family, which is going to plan. <laughs> oh, so nice. What what was it like for you in that sort of first experience of motherhood? Because, you know, I talk a lot on this podcast, probably way too much, sorry everyone, <laughs> about like the mum identity and, um, you know, how you can't really plan for motherhood no. until you're in it. So what was your kind of entry into motherhood like? All the highs, yeah. the lows, the challenges. It's hard, isn't it? Because nothing, literally nothing can prepare you for it. You know, you think, oh, I'm going to have this little buddy that's going to come along and do stuff with me. And you don't realize how your whole life will literally change. And it's nine years ago now since Edward was born. So I can't actually remember not having kids. Like what sometimes me and James will sit there at the weekend and go, What did we used to do? What did we do with our days? And he'd say, you know, go to the pub probably or just sit in a beer garden or have some downtime. Whereas you just don't get that now. It's everything sort of revolves around their life. And I mean, it's lovely as they're getting older, we're starting to have a bit of chill time and then we're gonna go back to square one again. But yeah, no, it was it was quite the um, adjustment getting used to having a little person in our world. But, you know, we loved it and it's been mental, <laughs> but well worth it. <laughs> I want to say I saw that you um, 
struggle. I don't know if you still struggle with endometriosis. Yeah. And um, you've also experienced loss as well. Are you yeah. open to talking about yeah, yeah, that? Yeah, of course. I think, I think it's important that we do. Um, and for a long time, I didn't want to. Um, I sort of was quite secretive about it. I just think I felt like some sort of shame or, or the fact that I already had children. I couldn't properly grieve about losing babies because pe- I thought that people would think, well, you've already got kids, so why are you upset? Um, so it was a really hard place to get to. We conceived quite quickly with um, the first two. And then when it came um, for trying for a third, I really struggled. We really struggled to get pregnant. It just wasn't happening. Um, and I had been diagnosed with IBS. Um, so I'd always suffered with lots of aches and pains and really, you know, really bad bloating and heavy periods. Um, anyway, it got to the point where month after month, these IBS symptoms were happening. Um, and I'd gone back to the doctor and said, you know, do you think it really is IBS? Because I feel like it's really connected to my periods. Um, and they were like, oh, okay, well, you know, let's refer you to gynae. Um, had a couple of tests with them, um, had some surgery. And yeah, they said that I had endometriosis. I probably never had had IBS. It had always been endometriosis all the time. Um, and we just, you know, put it down to women's problems. Um, anyway, so I needed two surgeries to remove the endometriosis. Um, and then after the second surgery, I fell pregnant with Hugo quite quickly. Um, so it had been a good year of treatment and pain. Um, and then the thing with endometriosis is it's, it's not a cure. It's, it's never gone. It can always come back. So, so when we tried, um, for the fourth time, um, we tried for three years to get pregnant with this one. Um, and it got to the point where we just didn't think it was going to happen. Um, and then I finally did get pregnant, which was just a miracle. And then we sadly lost the baby and then we got pregnant again and we lost that one. So it was really, really brutal. And then it took a year after the second loss to actually fall pregnant again. So I had given up. I thought, Do you know what? I'm supposed to have three. I'm so, so lucky. I know I am. Yes, we did want that four. Yes, we had had almost had it in our hands and it had been taken away, which was the hardest thing. I said to James, I almost wish it never happened. You know, I wish I'd never seen that little pink line because once you see that pink line, you see the end goal, you see the baby in the nursery. And, but yeah. And then, so I said, right, that's it. We're done. We threw all the baby stuff away. James started filming for Strictly, which is intense. Um, I decided to go and do a marathon. Um, and then we found out I was pregnant. (laughs) Wow. It was quite the whirlwind. (laughs) Firstly, I'm so Sorry for your loss, Thank losses. You. But do you mind? Because I feel like endometriosis is something that only really seems to have been talked about in the last couple of years. Yeah. For anyone who's listening who maybe is going through fertility struggles, what kind of symptoms are they that you had? Yeah. So basically, it they are the typical, um, you know, women's problems that we hear about. So it's. It's period pains, but but a bit more. So I remember saying to some girlfriends, God, do you really struggle each month with your period pains? And they were like, well, yeah, but, you know, like we can still get on with our day-to-day activities. Whereas I was having to go to bed with a hot water bottle. And I said to James, it's like a feeling of having broken glass inside you. Um, it's, it's just excruciating. And it 
And then when your period starts to go, it starts to ease off. And for the first two weeks of the month, you're sort of normal. And then that third week starts creeping up and the symptoms just start creeping back up again. And um, so, yeah, it's those classic period pains, but just a lot worse, a lot of bloating, um, a lot of IBS type um, symptoms. So a lot of people might think they've got IBS. So is that sort of like issues with bowels, like whether it's constipation or? Yeah, absolutely. So um, and also really heavy periods um, or sometimes really light periods. It's it's just something that's a little bit not quite right that you can't put your finger on just go and see a GP because you do have to force them a bit which I do feel like it does get brushed under the carpet a little bit and put down to these women's problems with anyone who feels like something's not right postnatally like you can push to see a gynecologist or a pelvic health physio because definitely I mean I would never have got diagnosed with prolapse had it not been for really pushing for it yeah because they do just sort of go well you've had a baby of course you're going to be in pain and you're like no it's not quite right there's something going on here um I was the same I I got mastitis quite badly with Edward and I remember saying like my boobs are so sore and swollen they're like well you are breastfeeding (laughs) you're like no they are agony like I can't even touch them do you know what Um, I had a really weird I don't know if I've ever talked about this on the podcast but hmm. I had such a weird experience with what I think must have been mastitis but um, I gave birth to Alf 9th of Jan 2021 so we'd just gone back into another lockdown and probably about a week or two weeks in, I had a rash all over my boobs, but you couldn't have face-to-face doctor's appointments. So I had to ring, say what was wrong. And normally when it's something to do with a baby or breastfeeding new mums, they're quite quick to respond. So they said, "Um, a doctor will call you back as soon as possible. Tommy kept telling me off for itching, but I've honestly, (laughs) I wanted to like itch my boob off. I've never felt like excruciating itching like it. And I had this doctor, a male doctor who rang and I honestly thought if I was more famous, I'd think I'd be, I was being <laughs> punked, but I was like, I don't think I'm famous enough to get punked. But it, he was so weird. He was like, well, I would say, send me a picture of your boobs, but you probably don't want to do that. Do you? Ha 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 ha. And in awful. my head, I was like, well, I probably would have, but now that you've like made that weird joke. Yeah. So I ended up, um, which I know is a massive privilege, like paying to go private because I was like, I I am going to rip my boob off if this yeah. doesn't get solved. And so I, I went to go see a dermatologist, which was an absolute fortune. And she prescribed me with steroids and it cleared straight away. Yeah. But I was like, isn't that so annoying that because of that weird, creepy yeah. doctor, <laughs> so annoying. I ended up like spending that money just to I be know. told. Yeah, it's crazy. I but I don't think I've actually seen a gynecologist who is a woman either. <laughs> They're all men, which is so weird, but... Hey, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, because I, I experienced um, pain for ages, like, you know, 20, 20 months postnatally yeah. um, after Alf. And funny enough, a male gynecologist um, who I was recommended by um, one of my friend's mums and who's meant to be really good, he said, your pain is in your head. There's nothing physically wrong. And I was like, well, that's great, but how can I get it out of my head? Because yeah. I don't want to experience <laughs> pain every single time. And it was like, you know, even like tampons are out, like just anything. Yeah. I was like, there, and I was like, I don't want to live like this. Like, I want to enjoy intimacy. I want to 
be able to use tampons if I want to in my period. Like if you go on holiday and you need to go in a swimming pool. Of course, um, yeah. And it turns out when I went to see a female pelvic health physio that it was um, vaginismus, which is oh basically when your muscles contract because of usually through trauma. And it, re- it was such an easy thing to do, just like massage it all out and it it went straight away and I was like I've put up with this for months and all I needed was it not to be dismissed exactly what you're saying is oh well it's a woman's problem or you gave birth or you know even if it is like well I gave birth yes but I'd also quite like to have sex with my partner (laughs) again (laughs) how has it been being pregnant this time around having experience loss do you feel like it's made you see the pregnancy differently to previous experiences like how are you managing what I imagine must be quite an anxious time yeah I think it's been really hard actually um the first few weeks I wouldn't even let James discuss it with me you know he would ask me something about the pregnancy and I'd just be like no don't don't mention it don't it's not happening if we don't talk about it it might just go under the radar Um, just, I was just so scared that it was going to happen again. Whereas last time I downloaded all the pregnancy apps on my phone, you know, it's like, oh, it's a blueberry. Now it's a peach. And I just didn't download anything. I just, I was so scared to jinx it. And I said on, on my blog, um, it was literally like every wipe of a wee, like every single time I went to the toilet, I just feared blood being on the tissue by the time we got to 12 weeks um I just couldn't believe that we'd actually got to the 12 weeks we went in for the scan I couldn't even look at the screen and she said do you want to look and I said no just tell me that there's something there please and she said yeah there's a heartbeat and I genuinely couldn't believe that it was there and this little heartbeat and and it's been like that every stage I I just keep thinking something's going to go wrong you know this is going to be the day this is the day that it'll all end and and I keep getting to the end of the day and then it's another week. And then we had the 20 week scan. Um, and I was like, this is the day, this is the day it's going to be. And they said, no, it's fine. It's healthy. And so, yeah, it's really hard to accept it because you just, you're so fearful all the time and so worried. Um, it's really hard to enjoy the pregnancy, which is a shame. Um, because with the others, I, you know, apart from the usual pregnancy aches and pains, I really enjoyed being pregnant and wearing the maternity clothes and having a bump and actually having boobs, which I don't normally have. (laughs) Um, Whereas this time it's been, you know, every single symptom has been a reminder that I I might lose it. Um, You know, when my boobs were getting bigger, all I could think was, God, I'm going to have to see them going down again. And, you know, just, it's just this awful reminder all the time of what you've lost. So so yeah, my heart goes out to anyone who's been through it because it's just soul destroying and you never think it's going to happen to you. It's the sort of thing, you know, it's one in four women, I think, that go through miscarriage. And I just thought, you know, God, that's awful. And my heart breaks for them, but it's, you know, it won't happen to me because, you know, I've had healthy children and I'm perfectly healthy and I haven't got any of these like other problems. And you just don't think that it will happen to you. And um, I remember the morning of the miscarriage, I had just thought that my symptoms had been getting less. Um, I'd gone in with full-blown morning sickness and sore boobs and and I'd woken up the past few mornings and thought, oh, I don't feel many symptoms. So I did a clear blue pregnancy test just to like reassure myself. Um, and the last time I'd done one, it had said pregnant three plus. Um, so I 
I did the thing and it came up pregnant and I thought, oh, thank God, I'm so, you know, and then it flashed for a moment and then it comes up with a date and it said one to two weeks. And I went, oh my God, like that's not right. And I had another one in the cupboard um, and I did it and it came up again, pregnant one to two weeks. So I knew the hormone had been fading out of my body. So I went straight to the early pregnancy unit and they scanned me and they said, no, I'm sorry, it's gone. Um, Which was just, so yeah, but I think I I remember going to James and saying to him, the baby's gone, it's gone. And he said, how do you know? I said, look at the pregnancy test. And he said, it says pregnant. And I said, no, but it's fading. The symptoms are fading and sort of a a weird way to use a pregnancy test. Do you have any advice for anyone who is like experiencing or going through loss? I know it's quite a hard thing to advise on because obviously it's, it's heartbreaking. It's weird. You know, I have, um, I just remember those days so clearly. Um, and I remember the day that I went to their EPU, the early pregnancy unit, and, and they told me that, um, the baby had gone. We planned to go out to Henley for the day for a family day. And I got back from the hospital and James was like, let's hunker down. Um, and I said, no, let's go. Let's like the boys want to go. We'd plan to go. Um, and so we went and I've got some pictures on my phone from that day. And, you know, sometimes your phone says, oh, memories from this day. And it shows you something. And every now and then it brings back the pictures of that day. And I see myself sat in the sandpit with Hugo playing and I'm smiling and I'm losing a baby. And I think, God, how was I smiling? And But it was my way of getting through. It was just to keep going, just keep putting one foot in front of the other, just get to the end of that day, just get to the end of the next day and just keep everything as normal as you can. And I think having the other children definitely did help. Um, I can't imagine the heartbreak of going through a miscarriage when you don't have children um, because they kept me strong and they kept me busy and mental and beans on toast and bath time. And (laughs) so, so that definitely helped. So but yeah, for me personally, it was just to try and keep everything normal and just keep moving forwards and not dwell on what was happening, which, you know, possibly is the wrong way to deal with it. Maybe if, you know, I'd sat down and had it, you know, a big cryathon and don't get me wrong, I did have a big cryathon, but maybe if I'd had a week of just hibernating, I would have been able to come to terms with it a bit quicker. Um but yeah, I think for me, just cracking on with the day to day was the best way to deal with it. Oh, well, I'm so happy for you that you are now pregnant again. <laughs> I, know, I never thought and, it was going to happen. <laughs> and are, are you starting to feel movements now yes, as well? Yes, so that's lovely. Um, I got um, a Doppler. I don't know if you've had one, you know, where you can listen to the baby's heartbeat. I got one of those for the early days and I was scared to death to use it because you can start to hear the heartbeat from 10 weeks. And I don't know if they're fully recommended, but I I just needed that reassurance. Um, So from 10 weeks, I was sort of trying to find the heartbeat and some days I could and some days I couldn't. So it was a bit hit and miss. But the first time I felt that kick, um, it was just, yeah, it was a miracle. It was lovely. And and then, and now it's constant, isn't it? It's like, oh God, oh, he's there, move him and pushing them around. 
and then I, yeah I've definitely I've got that to that stage where she's like right up oh, in the ribs yes. and sometimes I'm trying to like get her from underneath <laughs> yeah. them so I can actually sit you comfortably you have to sort of maneuver them don't you and then some mornings <laughs> you wake up and your tummy's like over here and you're like oh good god it's like some sort of alien attack like pushing them back into a reasonable position <laughs> Are the boys excited? Do they know that they're going to be yeah, brothers again? They are. They, it's funny. We um, when we got engaged, we got engaged up in Scotland, um, and we go back to the same spot every year just to have like a little special moment in our engagement spot. Aww. And we'd gone back up this year, and we went to the spot, and we took the boys with us, and and that's when we told them that we were expecting. Um, and the younger two were really excited, you know, yay, a baby. And the older one, um, he, you know, sort of coming up to 10 and he was a bit like, hmm, not sure about this. <laughs> and um, anyway, he was happy and he hugged us. But as we were walking off, he sort of hung back and I said, are you okay? And he said, but we've already got, there's already three of us, you know, that's a lot of love for you to have to give. Are you going to have enough love? Aww. And I said, Oh, sweetheart, the thing is when you have another baby, it doesn't take any of the love away from any of you three. It just, it's like your heart just gets another bit and you get all this new love. And I said, and you're going to feel the same, like all the love that you have for your brothers, that won't change. You'll just get this new bit of love for your new like baby. And, um, and he was like, oh, okay, that's fine. And, um, and then he said, will I have to share a room? And I said, no. And he said, okay, I'm fine with it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's yeah. so cute. It's a nice way of explaining Aww. it, though. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. What advice would you give me or anyone who is kind of stepping from that one to two um, zone yes. where you are having to sort of learn not to share your love, but to share your time and your body again? So, yeah, I mean, it's I, I feel for you. You're about to go into the war, the trenches <laughs> with a toddler and a baby. It's not easy. But what I would suggest and what we used to do was try and get Alf involved as much as you can. Um, so 
it's hard to do, but when the baby is crying, say to him, rather than just dropping what you're doing with him and just going to the baby, say, the baby's crying, what can I do? And, and he might say, milk or cuddle. Um, and so you'll go, great idea, that's what we'll do. Well done, you've stopped the baby crying. And I found with mine, they really enjoyed that feeling like they had done something. And it wasn't just me going, oh, I've got to leave. I've got the baby needs me that, you know, constantly rushing off to be with the baby. I was getting their opinions and, you know, as much as they can help bring things for you as well. They, as hard as it is, you also have a mini servant, which is brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) So how did you manage it when you were like sat feeding? Because then obviously if they want to play with you or they want to read, like in Alf's case, he loves his books. Uh, So, you know, when he wants to sit on me, I'm having um, a planned C-section. So that's what I'm conscious of because he normally loves sitting across my tummy and he puts the book on my tummy. And obviously if I've got a baby and also C-section recovery, I won't be able to do that. So how did you navigate the feeding times? Yeah, it's it's amazing what we're capable of. We, I remember with my firstborn, you know, I would sit on the sofa for hours and then just gazing adoringly at this creature that I had made. And, you know, I, I, you have all that time just to bond and love. And then when you have your second or your third, that goes out of the window. Um, I can remember standing at the stove, breastfeeding, making a spaghetti bolognese (laughs) with the little one (laughs) running around my feet. Um, So yeah, I think obviously you're going to need help with the C-section. That's going to be hard. Um, But once you're able to get up and you'll you'll find this strength from within where you're suddenly this superhuman multitasking (laughs) woman. Um, And yeah, you just got it. I think you just have to get stuck in and get them involved. And your your partner is quite involved as well, isn't he? And Yeah, very. Which is great. Yeah. yeah, I think we were talking about it last night. We're so, I say lucky, but, you know, women today, we men want to be involved, I think, as much. Like James wants to get up in the night. He's looking forward to it. Like he likes getting up at 6 a.m. with the baby, watching golf. <laughs> That's his time. <laughs> um, whereas, you know, back with our parents era they didn't have that help and they didn't have you know the the dad being as hands-on um whereas I think now we're much more you know all we do it all together which I think definitely helps I honestly don't know how our parents generation did it because they also were the sort of the first generation of working women as well so they were kind of they did it all working, but also doing the majority. Like I'd say, not even the majority, like all of the child rearing. I don't think my dad ever changed a nappy or ever. Like my mum still makes his pat lunches, yeah. and I always say, <laughs> I, I, and I was like, mum, you don't need to make his pat lunch. Like he's going to work, he's not going to school. Yeah. And dad's always like, Ashley, my marriage has worked perfectly well for forty years without your input. Thank you very much. And I'm like, you're you're literally an extra child. Yeah. And he said to me, um, he came down to Essex. Um, around Christmas and he was like yeah he's from Newcastle hence the accent but he was like yeah I hope you tell Tommy how like lucky you are you're so lucky Ashley having (laughs) having like he's amazing isn't he and I was like are you just gonna sit Tommy down and tell him how lucky he is (laughs) and he was like I know but he does he does everything like he cooks and he's doing the nappies and like it's just amazing isn't it and I was like and I I do all of those things as well dad am I amazing (laughs) because I also have a job but I get it that for him he's but it's also interesting to me that like growing up, obviously I love my parents in equal measure. And if anything, for a while I prided myself on being like a daddy's girl and I'd always make a point to be like, I'm a 
daddy's yeah. girl. I love my dad. <laughs> and now I'm like, Christ, that must have been so annoying for my mum to listen to that she was doing everything. <laughs> she was like, why are you a daddy's girl? He does nothing. Yeah, we literally, uh, I talked to my friends about this mental load that mothers have. It is insane the amount that we have to do. And I think my mum's the same. She's like, you're so lucky, Victoria. You know, James, he cooks and he puts a wash on and your dad doesn't even know how to use the washing machine. And and I think, God, like, how did you cope, Mum? Really? <laughs> like, you know, I can remember my dad having to look after us. I say, look after us. We were his children. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it would be chips and a slice of ham. Like, that was his go-to meal. <laughs> and, you know, I think, I guess we are lucky, but that's how men should be raised. And being a, a mum of sons and a mum of son like you are, you know, that's, our boys should be taught to do all that sort of stuff as the norm. You know, they have to stand on their own two feet. Whereas I think our parents' generation, they went straight, the men went straight from their mom's home into the wife's home and they just expected the wife to take over the mother responsibilities. Whereas now men go out to university or they live on their own. So they, they have to know how to cook and clean. Um, and on the same hand, women have to know how to change the oil in a car and, you know, use a drill and it's <laughs> not very well, but we try. Um, to be fair, I'm very good at a drill you? and I would not, I would, I went, when I lived on my own, um, I went into, I can't remember if it was Travis Perp, one of those hardware yeah. stores. And I was like, you can laugh at me all you want once I've left, but please can you teach me how to use the, an electric it. screwdriver? Then I'll buy it and I'll leave. And I, I did everything in my flat. Amazing. Whereas Tommy, I would not trust with a drill. No, no I threaten James all the time. Like if I want something done in the house, I say, right. And I go and get the tool bag out. And he's like, no, no, like, let me do it because he knows I'll just go, I'll just do it. I'll just make a hole. And I think I have this like grand vision of it's really easy. You, all you have to do is knock this wall down. Like it's not a difficult thing. Yeah. And he's like, no, there's like steel things in the ceiling. And, but I think we, as women now, we're just, we are go-getters. Like we see something we want and we don't think anything can hold us back and we just go and try and get it, um, which I think, you know, is a great thing, but also a little worrying at times when it comes to home maintenance. <laughs> you touched on the, what we call the, the maternal mental load. Yeah. How, what advice do you have for people to deal with that? Because, I mean, I can't imagine what your maternal mental load must be like <laughs> with three and almost four children. Yeah, it's just the little things you don't think about, like, you know, Obviously, you've got all the school clubs, which are just a minefield, and then all the PTA and the admin from school and non-uniform day and, you know, cake sale, and you've got all that side of stuff, and then you've got the housework, and then you've got a job, but then it's like little things like, you know, they need somebody's got a hole in their trousers, so who's going to mend the hole in the trousers? You know, you either have to go and buy new trousers or or it's bleaching the sink or emptying the fluff out of the washing machine you know just little things like that that it, it just builds and builds and builds and at night I'll often sit and just make mental lists in my head of things I have to do tomorrow um so yeah I think for me lists help <laughs> but I have lists I have lists on my phone I have lists on the fridge I have lists next to my bed it's just a constant list um, of things that, you know, get ticked off and, and then new things get added to the bottom. So I think that's just, as women, something we do to ourselves, you know. Um, 
I love a list though. I've got a little, it's not here. I was saying if it was here, but I've got a little notebook and it, it gives me so much satisfaction to tick things off. And even like, sometimes I think of like, what else do I have to do so I can add it to my list at the beginning of a day? So then I can be like, I've got several different things on my phone. I've got the notes app and then on my diary, I put lists on both and then I have to compare the lists to see if I've ticked something off and it hasn't been, it can get ridiculous, can't it? But yeah, you need to stream on your list you need to have one list I need, I need a central <laughs> list place because at the moment there's just bits of random paper everywhere <laughs> how has yours and James's relationship evolved since becoming parents because I feel like I well Tommy Tommy came on the podcast a few weeks ago but we definitely experienced <clears throat> I wouldn't say a blip in our relationship but I basically hated him mm, yeah, for yeah. a few months <laughs> I felt a lot of resentment whereas um you guys I believe have recently renewed your wedding yeah. vows <laughs> well firstly yeah how has your relationship been and navigating all those big changes and secondly what advice would you give to anyone who's listening who is in that throw of resentment yeah <laughs> I can remember, remember my mom said to me um that when she had a baby she would spend all day wanting my dad to come home from work um just pining for him and um, for the support and the minute he walked in she would be on him attacking him <laughs> like resenting his every breath <laughs> um <laughs> and I I was like mom that's awful but then I got it I was the same <laughs> I just you know I missed him when he was at work and I wanted the help with the baby the minute he came in and he, you know, I would just feel such resentment because he got to carry on his life. You know, he got to be a dad and have this lovely family, but his life essentially didn't change. You know, he got to go to work. He got to go and see his friends. His body was the same. He got to drink alcohol for nine months. <laughs> it was everything about <laughs> his day to day really was the same. And so I think just this huge resentment does build up, um, but as we said earlier, you know, they, if you have a, a man in your life who is hands-on and does want to help, then that massively helps. Um, and James did want to do his fair share of like the nighttime work. Um, it's hard because I was breastfeeding through the night and I couldn't manage to get the pump thing to work. It just, the noise just made my boobs just shrivel back into my body and no milk came out, <laughs> like this sort of cow, like uh, uh, <laughs> noise. So I was never able to express very well. Um, so a lot of the night work fell on me, which was really hard. But I think we've always tried to just take a bit of time out. Um, and every year for our anniversary, we always make the effort, even when we have a little one, just to go away, even if it's just for an afternoon, if it's a weekend, then great. Um, just go and have that time away, just the two of us to reconnect. Because at the end of the day, you know, yes, we wanted children, but the reason we wanted children was because we loved each other and we wanted to, you know, grow our love, I guess. <laughs> so it's really important to think back to why you're doing all this, you know, why you're doing all the school runs and the, you know, the stress of life is because you want to be with this person and you want to have a family with them. And, you know, at the end of the day, my parents are still together now. James's parents are still together. Um, and the children do leave, they go and they go and do their own thing. And then it's just the two of you again. And if you haven't got anything in common anymore, if you've got nothing to talk about, except the children, then, that's when I think a lot of people can have trouble. So yeah, it's definitely just take the time to just still know each other, still find each other funny, <laughs> still, you know, and have 
you know, a bit of time alone is the key. <laughs> I think that's the thing we're most apprehensive about going exactly as you said, back into the trenches, yeah. because we've really enjoyed getting bits of our autonomy back and that time to be together. So knowing that, you know, I'm about to go back yeah. into that breastfeeding mode of having someone dependent on you. And even if you want to get away, you, you can't, it's, yeah, it's quite... It, um, it's daunting, isn't it? Because you think, and you forget almost when you, you're starting to get out of it. I mean, especially as it's been four years, so Hugo's four, so um, that's going to be quite a shock to the system because, you know, they he sleeps through the night and he eats breakfast and goes to the toilet and suddenly there's going to be someone there who needs me. Um, you know, the lions will be gone and just that downtime, I think, certainly for the first two years will be gone. But I think what I have found is that it, you know, that old saying, the days are long, but the years fly by is so true. And at the time you are in it and it is full on and it's exhausting and overwhelming, but it's like, it just goes and suddenly you're out the other end and you're like, oh, like I'm, he's asleep. He slept through. And, and, you know, you have all these new milestones and then you can go for dinner with your husband or you can go to cinema, just the two of you, or you can get a weekend away and you suddenly start to get back into your old life. But you have the added addition of these little people, you know, there, which is lovely. Um, but yeah, no, it, it, I know what you mean. I feel the same. I feel a little overwhelmed at what's to come, <laughs> knowing how hard it's going to be again. But I also know that you do come out the other side. Um, and if you can just try and not tear each other apart in the meantime, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then, you know, because a lot of people think having a baby will fix things or make them stronger. But if anything, it's the worst thing you can do to a relationship. <laughs> it will tear you apart and test you at your lowest, most miserable point. Um, and so if you've not got that foundation, then you're going to crumble. So, yeah, just, I think, stick together, laugh when you can, <laughs> and know that it's not forever, that right now they need you, but it will pass. I think the good thing as well is we've got that experience this time yes. around in the case of us, but we know that, for example, Tommy's not good if he's woken up in the yeah. night, especially because he just, once he's awake, he's fine. But if he's woken up in the night, he goes, he goes straight into like panic mode because he's busy at work. And so now that I know that, I almost know like, okay, if Alf is up in the night or if it's baby girl up in the night, yeah. like, I actually don't mm -hmm. mind as long as I get to say if he were to get up at six and I have an hour and a half to sleep in the morning, I'm actually fine for the rest of the day. But it means that I'm not putting the expectation on him to get up because I know that it that's what's that's when we'll argue yeah. and that's when he'll be like, we need to cry it out. Yeah. And I'm like, no. <laughs> and that's when we always have our biggest arguments. Yeah, yeah, we're the same. I think if you each have your set things that you're good at, so I'm the same as you, I'm happy to get up in the night multiple times but I can't do the morning. The sort of six o'clock start for me is the killer. Whereas James is quite happy to jump out of bed at six, but wake him up in the middle of the night and he's like an ogre. So, so we, <laughs> so we know that that works for us. So, so I'm happy to do that. And he's happy to do that. And you have to find your bit, you know, like I think James, he loves doing the cooking. So he'll do all the meals, which will be great, but he's not great with the washing and the cleaning. So I will do that. Like we'll each have our roles that we do. And I think that sort of works to keep a semi-harmonious household. 
Yeah, I think that was definitely the key for us. And also when I felt that resentment, it was almost like each week being like, what what more? Him being like, what more can I yeah. do to help? Because I don't have lactating yes, boobs. Exactly. So sadly, I can't no, help that. That's it. And I think they do feel a bit helpless um, because, you know, at the end of the day, they created this life as much as you did, but you've had to do all the brunt work. So you've had to carry it and grow it and have the aching body and the hemorrhoids and the pushing it out. And then you have to feed it and, and they're just like, Hey, <laughs> like here I am doing, doing not much. And so we feel that resentment, but I think they equally want to do more and they know they can't. And I can remember like with James, cause I was breastfeeding at night and um, he would get into bed and I'd be like looking at him as he's getting comfy on his pillow, like knowing that he's probably going to have a full eight hours. And I would, <laughs> and he used to sort of go, good luck. <laughs> and I'd go, cheers. <laughs> like, because he knew there was nothing he could do to help feed the baby in the night. And so he was like, well, I might as well get the eight hours and then at least I'll be helpful the next day. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a, something that we've agreed. Cause I think because Tommy couldn't really help last time, but he didn't want to just sleep through. Yeah. We, we ended up both being tired. Yeah. Whereas this time I was like, actually, do you know what? Like once I'm healed from C-section and I almost want him to sleep in the spare yeah. room and then he deals with Alf and yeah. whatever Alf yeah. might be like. He, Alf's an early riser. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I'll just deal with her. But then, yeah, there's no point in two people being no. sleep deprived. And I, no, and I think a lot of people do that. A lot of my friends have done that. Um, you know, they've had separate rooms for a while, just like you say, so that one of you is at least functioning the next day <laughs> and the other one can deal with the, the nighttime trauma. Um, because if you're both exhausted, you're both just going to be getting at each other. Um, you know, and as, as nice as it is to have someone there in the night next to you, really, you're just going to be looking at their back, like hating them <laughs> while they're asleep or trying to wake them up. And you know, the only time I think James really got up in the night was if we had a major like Poonami situation going on. And you're like, just bring sheets and things because it's just off his back. I need you. It's coming out of his neck and it's everywhere. <laughs> um, and you're trying to do it quietly. And, and this time, obviously, you'll have Alpha sleep. So you'll be like, just bring sheets quietly <laughs> because you don't want to wake him up. Um, so you can't turn all the lights on and say, so, yeah, it, it's, it's tricky. Um, but what's amazing is you'll find that what I found is the toddler, they just develop this like sense of deafness when it comes to the baby. They don't seem to hear them. Um, like That's reassuring. Yeah, they know. really don't. I can remember like, you know, when we were trying to, once we got to the stage of putting the baby to sleep on its own at night and should we do the cry it out method? Do what do we do? And, but then we've got the toddler. We don't want the toddler. To, the toddler did not wake. The toddler could sleep through anything. And, and I read this study once that um, they, they can't even hear smoke alarms in the night. It's like quite scary, but like, adults have this thing that wakes them up, but children just, they, they go into this like deep sleep <laughs> And so they'll just sleep through the noise, which is amazing. And then the baby will get used to the noise of the toddler. So they'll hopefully sleep better. So 
it sort of all works itself out in the end. <laughs> God, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that this girl's going to be a sleeper because we really deserve it after Alf. But they say that you get one good one, don't they? And then one bad one. So if you've had a bad one first, then this one's got to be an angel, surely. Please, <laughs> please, please. And um, have you got any tips um, for going into birth? Is there anything that you've done each time? Like what's your birth notes sort of look like now that you are a well-seasoned birther? <laughs> Oh, it's funny looking back. Um, my first pregnancy, I laminated my birth plan because I was so sure this is the birth plan. This is how it will go. Um, and then I nearly set fire to it the next day after the baby was born because it was just so laughable. Um, you know, nothing went to plan with Edward. Um, I'd done hypnobirthing, which I was so invested in I was really like I will be the perfect hypnobirthing mother I will breathe the baby out I will feel no pain I will be like an animal in the woods and um yeah and then he pooed in the waters um so they had me on my back with my legs in stirrups like episiotomy like ripped him out oh it was just hideous and I remember it all happened so fast I still had my bag with my lavender spray and twinkly lights (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was just in the corner um, and I sort of saw it the next day and, and burst out crying so I was like my laminated birth plan um, <laughs> so I think my massive advice is just do not have a birth plan um, know some things you know things that you are comfortable with and things that you you would ideally like but don't get hooked on it just you literally have to go with the flow. Um, you know, I've had friends that had a perfectly normal first birth and then emergency section, the second birth. Um, so you just don't know what's coming. Um, and I think just try and enjoy it because it's hideously painful and awful and all of that, but you get to meet this little person at the end that you've been dreaming about for nine months. And that to me is like, it's something I think about all the time, that first moment of holding them and that smell. And, you know, I think it's, it's also the worst day of your life, but the best day of your life. Um, so just hold on to that at the end. Um, and if all else fails, my mum said to me, when you feel like you're going to die, it's over. <laughs> so I always <laughs> hang on to that in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, I'm very excited for you to meet your little one, for me to meet my little one, especially because I know from my last scan, they said she's got loads of hair and Alf was really fair and had, I mean, he was basically bald, but now I'm like, oh, so that means that she must either be nearly uh, really dark. I feel like you wouldn't really see fair hair or a redhead and there's uh, redheads in my family. So now I'm like, I want to know what color her hair is. It's amazing, isn't it? That you have this person inside you and you have no idea what they're going to look like. And when who they're going to be. And And when you've already had one, you sort of assume that your next one will look a bit like them. And then when they don't, you know, like you say, she could have completely different hair color or eye color or none of mine have looked anything like each other when they've been born. So it's always been such a shock. Like, Oh, like, who are you? I don't know you yet. Um, but it's so lovely, isn't it? And I think, especially if you're having a planned section, that's kind of the dream because you get to eat first, you get to have your nails done if you want, <laughs> you know. Yeah, although I just did a C-section course and she said, oh yeah, they say no nail varnish. Oh, and I no. was like, uh, no, she said no no nail varnish and no makeup. And I was like, but I was planning on yeah. like... <laughs> 
<laughs> I wanted to look really done up <laughs> this time because I did not look like that first time round. Oh, no. So I actually, that you've reminded me, I need to check yeah. when I go in. You could maybe get like ask, a shellac. Like, Am I allowed my nails? Get, yeah, get a shellac done, <laughs> and then at least you feel nice. Yeah. But yeah, you can sit back, read a magazine, and then they'll say, "Oh, it's time for the baby. It's going to be that great, right?" <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm hoping. Yeah. Um, but well, best of luck with the rest oh, of your pregnancy you and the meeting your little one the fourth the fourth and thank you so much for coming on and for being so honest and for being so honest and open about everything that you've gone through and I'm so happy that you've got a happy ending at the end of everything as well thank you very much for having me it's been lovely having a natter with you (laughs) I know it's been so nice to have a good natter (laughs) take care oh I absolutely Absolutely loved speaking to Victoria. So I hope you enjoyed the chat with her. It's so funny how some people, I've never met her before. I've never spoken to her before. And she was just lovely. I feel like I was just having a chat with a a mum friend in a cafe. I actually received a voice note from someone this week. So Rebecca, who is a mum of two, sent it on WhatsApp after listening to the episode I did with Laura Guckian. By the way, that episode I did, I feel like I still receive so many comments and lovely messages about her brilliant inspiring story so if you haven't listened to that podcast episode then I fully recommend um she's just yeah what an inspiration but anyway Rebecca said she was inspired to share her own experience with motherhood and the experiences she felt in much sense as well as her birth story so I just wanted to play that clip quickly for everyone now hi Ashley uh this is Rebecca mum of two um and that's a nearly two-year-old and a 10-week-old. So uh, I've been listening to your podcast probably for the last two or three months now. Um, but we've we've been pregnant around the same time. So I've been following your pregnancy journey with both, um, actually. So first of all, congratulations and uh, super excited for you. Um, I've had two boys. So Jackson uh, will be two in March. And Rowan, who was sat right behind, uh, sorry, beside me, if you can hear him, is uh, 10 weeks old. So... Yeah, just listened to the Mind Mummy coaching episode with Laura Guckian and it really, really resonated with me, um, especially her like really, re- like those pleas for women to share their stories of kind of struggle more. So I felt like I should mention that. It's, um, I was I was actually kind of okay with my first child overall, but Rowan here, when he arrived uh, 10 weeks ago, which was 10 days over, and I was really ill with like the worst cold of my life. <laughs> He, um, we were fine for the first two weeks, but about, yeah, about week three to week six, I became very, very, very unwell. I was actually scared of him a little bit and struggling to connect, which again, didn't happen with my first child. So that hit me like a ton of bricks. And I agree with Laura and a lot with what you've said over, t- over time is that I don't think I've felt that there are enough mums have talked about the challenges of, of, of motherhood as a whole, of course, but also especially in my case, uh, the challenges of mothering two and especially two under two. Yeah, it completely floored me, um, if I'm entirely honest. Um, but luckily, with a lot of help and support, I, I'm very lucky to have an amazing family who um, really did jump in to help. And I was not afraid to ask. And I quite quickly identified it. I've got a history of mental illness, so I know how to seek help quickly, um, and as well as um, getting on some medication and speaking for my counsellor as well. So yeah, things are so much better now from about week six to seven onwards. Things massively 
improved. I now feel very, very connected to Rowan and, you know, it's tough. There's no denying, but it's worth it, isn't it, all in the end? So, yeah, I felt like I should share that. Um, and I will just mention my birth stories in passing because I've been very lucky to have two successful home births. My first one, I did have to transfer in afterwards for um, retained placenta and some stitches. But with Rowan here, even though he was a chunk at £8.11, I managed to get away with the graze and uh, deliver my placenta at home. So I got, got the full birth experience, which was lovely. The point I suppose I want to make is hearing Laura's pleas for us to share more often. I've shared here and I plan to share on my social uh, channels and talk as much as I can to other women about the struggles that I went through and that whole thing of, you know, becoming a mother and how normal all those feelings are because I don't think I quite realised how normal they were until I heard Laura's words today. So I want to thank Laura and thank you for doing such a podcast and I'll carry on listening and good luck with your plan C section of your little girl thanks Ashley bye oh it's so nice to hear um like feedback and real experiences from the podcast so thank you Rebecca for getting in touch and um well firstly I'm sorry that you struggled but um I'm glad that you are in a much stronger place and that Laura's podcast episode resonated with you and that you feel more open to sharing and also lovely to hear a couple of positive birth stories on the end as well so um thank you to rebecca and to everyone who is listening to mum's the word parenting podcast if you want to get in touch then you can do what rebecca did and get in touch on whatsapp whether that's a message or a voice note um, you can do it anonymously if you want as well and the number is 075-999-27537 or you can email me at askmumsthewordpod at gmail.com or of course leave a review on apple if that's where you listen to the podcast and don't forget to share if you think it's a good podcast for um, maybe you know some new mums some older mums whoever it might be that you think my or dads we love dads as well um so yeah share spread the love if you think it'll benefit from anyone and i will be back with another episode same time same place next week small details are big surfaces tight corners are odd shapes Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlingbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.